Welcome back to episode 4 of From Scratch. Today we will be learning more about civil engineering with Lucky Nagojin. Lucky works as a business strategy and growth leader for Bauer Foundations Corp, a leader in the execution of complex excavation pits, ground improvement, deep foundations, and vertical seals, utilizing the most up-to-date equipment and installation techniques. In her present role, she's in charge of working extensively with management and collaborating with her peers in developing national market strategies. Lucky is a geotechnical engineer with 18 years of engineering, project management, as well as field experience in business development. She has worked on a variety of foundation solutions in residential, commercial, to energy slash fuel, to ports slash marine, dams, and mining industries. She has gained her experience working in different parts of the United States, learning about challenging geological conditions, varied foundation solutions, and cultures. With her diverse experience, she is proud to say that she has visited 48 states out of 50 and worked internationally in Japan, Canada, Mexico, India, and Brazil. She strongly believes that it is very important for every engineer to give back to the community to help the industry grow and support fellow engineers. Lucky has been active in technical associations, ASCE, GI, DFI, and USSD. She is DFI Board of Trustee, current chair of Women in Deep Foundations, co-founder of WIDF groups in Metro NYC, India, and Mexico, also co-chair of DFI of India Support Committee and member of the board level ASCEGI committees, building an inclusive civil engineering team, innovations in geotechnical engineering. To give back to her original roots, she has been serving as co-chair of the DFI India Support Committee since 2018. As part of the India chapter, she has also been involved in DFI India chapter initiatives within the Indian construction industry and launched WIDF India Group, which has successfully executed programs during conferences and webinar series, Civil Engineering Career, Connect and Grow. She has also written articles for technical magazines and has been invited to international conferences to advocate for STEM and women in engineering. This has provided a platform to collaborate with Brazil, Mexico, India, and Colombia. Her latest adventure is being the host of Broadcasting Common Ground podcast. Now on to the episode. Um, to start off, you're in civil engineering, right? So I wanted to ask, like, what is civil engineering? I know it's like a very broad like question, but just to start off, since this is an informative podcast. Yes, yes. So when you think about civil engineering, I think a lot of people um, imagine buildings, right? Or they think about um, construction, they think about roads, um, they think about, very few people think about water, very few people think about dams when, when you say civil engineering. Um, and civil engineering is always associated with soils, if you think about it. So um, civil engineering comes under, uh, you know, it is, it has an umbrella in under which many different disciplines come under, uh, which is more of construction of any, anything that you can think of. It can be construction of uh, uh, structures like in high rise buildings, it can be bridges, it can be roads, it can be transportation, it can even be environmental when you're thinking about building a structure or a dam in a contaminated site, then that is considered under civil engineering as well. Uh, basically, you're talking about uh, you know, a lot of math and science, of course, goes into it, a lot of numbers, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, statistics that you think about, you know, 
um, uh, so basically anything and everything uh, that humans have to live on, uh, things that you build on is all under civil engineering. That's really cool, yeah. I know like civil engineering for us at school, it's like thrown around a lot, but no one really knows like exactly what it is. Um, so what really inspired you to get into like civil engineering? Um, so uh, growing up, I was never, I was a very restless kid. <laughs> I was never a kid that would, you know, sit inside the house. Um, I was always in the, in the streets getting dirty and playing in, in the sand, playing in the soil, you know, without knowing what it means. Um, and uh, always having some kind of action in my life, even when I was a kid. Um, that related me to not being thinking about having a desk job eventually. I'm not saying that software engineers have a desk job, but I'm just saying like, you know, sitting in one place uh, scared me a lot. And, and that led me into thinking about what else can I do? And, and I was always on a little bit of creative side, not a lot on creative side, uh, but a less on logical side, you know? Uh, so I had an uncle who was an architect um, and he, when I was in my college, he actually took me to some of his project sites. Um, most of his project sites were, you know, building uh, uh, beautiful homes for millionaires and uh, beautiful um, farmhouses, resorts, things like that. And uh, he was a very unique architect, architect where he would really um, showcase, uh, you know, materials used in a different forms, different ways. So that really opened my eyes. Um, and that made me think maybe I should get into, um, you know, architecture. Um, and uh, uh, in Bangalore, at that time in India, I could not get into an architecture school. So then I ended up getting into civil engineering because civil engineering, civil engineers work with architects too. So architects, you see the structures, everything that happens for civil engineers is underground. Mm -hmm. uh, if you think about it, right? Like civil engineers bridges. Yes, of course, if you are working with superstructures, then it comes on top of the ground. But mostly if you're thinking about foundations, major majority part of civil engineering disciplines are underground, which you don't see, but you get to do cool things underground. Um, so he, when he introduced me to that, and then I realized like, you know, I'll do civil engineering bachelors and then think about doing a diploma in architecture, then maybe I will, you know, start working as an architect. But then when I started civil engineering, um, after my second, uh, after my first year, after the four semesters, my whole perspective of civil engineering changed. Uh, when I found out about soil, from, uh, soil engineering or foundation engineering. Um, and that led me to having more passionate, uh, you know, understanding of what really you have to think about when you have to design a foundation for any kind of structure. What is a foundation? You know, what type of foundations? And soil, when you think about soil, you know, um, it's like talking dirty, you know, like you're talking dirty, but you're actually thinking of soils in different aspects and different ways that can lead you to design an amazing foundation or any structure you can think about. So that's that's what inspired me that I should get into um, civil engineering. That's really like very inspirational, I'd say. It's a nice nice story about how you changed your pathways and like learned new things. Um, so has being like a woman in the STEM field affected you much? Because I know like women are like seen as a minority in STEM as, as of right now. 
Yeah. Um, so civil engineering is no, um, you know, it, it, it's not uh, different to anything, any other professions you can think about. I think every profession has that, uh, you know, being uh, women in man's world always shows up. Um, civil engineering uh, as a big part, yes. Uh, when you think about the aspects of civil engineering and aspects of jobs that are in civil engineering, they all have majority of men. You know, majority of men, and uh, even when you think about women getting into uh, civil engineering, uh, one aspect of civil engineering for you to be a better engineer, you have to have hands-on experience in the things that you do, uh, the things that you build, everything, you know, so that leads you to having that conversations and having the, uh, you know, transparency of the field where you have more men and less women. And when a woman starts working in the uh, environments where you really don't have that many, that many other women to help, men have already an upper hand. And there are, if you think about like, if you're in the field, then you have to think about safety, you know, have to think about safety. And also as women progress in their personal lives, they also have to think about how much time are they spending outside the office and how far do they have to travel to their job sites and what uh, kind of uh, facilities do you have and what kind of support is provided by the project teams, by the company that you work for. So that is a big, big problem. Even today, we are fighting it. Um, I would say like, you know, I have been in this industry for almost uh, 18 plus years now. Over a period of time, I have seen definitely exponential growth. Um, I think a lot of women have realized how exciting and amazing, uh, you know, uh, career this is. And once they get in, I think a lot of women have started helping other women to understand and also put in place kind of a handbook, not really a handbook, but at least handbook for other women to understand the challenges that you have as a woman in man's world and how do you tackle them and at the same time it's not just women who have to understand this men also have to understand this right mm -hmm. men have to meet us halfway and help us um, in everything they do and then accepting us to be who we are it's almost like you're actually not changing yourself but you're actually changing the practice <laughs> yeah. yeah that's so well it's nice you see a growth um in women entering the field yeah very slow growth but it is <laughs> it's there yeah, it's leading in the same it is leading in the right direction yeah um so you like i looked at through your linkedin and you said that um you're a geotechnical specialist so what does that really mean do you like mainly like work with like um not work with but like geography is it like are you specialized in like geography mainly not really, not geography at all. Uh, geography plays an aspect of uh, geotechnical engineering, but mostly it is about soils. It is about mm. uh, rocks. Um, so think about it like this. When you are looking at a building like 50 stories high, what comes to your mind when you're thinking about what is it standing on? How is it standing on the ground? You know, there are so many there are so many other factors that are revolving and, uh, around the standing building. There is wind right? Uh, there are structural components to it and the temperature changes um, and intensity of the wind, um, the speed of the wind. Um, and uh, when you're thinking about it and the people who enter it, right? Like people and uh, the furniture and if it is a residential 
uh, building or if you're thinking of an office, like all the things that go into the building, it's putting weight on the building that is standing on the ground. So when you think about it, so designing a foundation that can withstand the building itself is what geotechnical uh, engineering is. Um, you mainly look at the soils. First, you look at the soils. Before you look at the soils, you will look at like what is going to be built in this in this space. If you're thinking of like, you know, you're building a, a 50 story building as I was talking about, how tall is it going to be? What is the type of the building is it going to be? Is it going to be completely concrete uh, facade and then you have a lot of wood and steel inside it or it is going to be completely wood? Uh, you know, or if you're thinking of a warehouse in that uh, spot, then you're thinking about very high ceilings, right? And you have the trusses for the high ceilings. Um, so how is the load distributed along the uh, length and depth and width of the building. So that is also another thing you will think about. And with all that you design, uh, you know, how do you get samples underneath the ground for you to test and see what type of samples they are, what type of soils they are, where is the rock? Where is the rock? Do you have to put the foundation into the rock? So you have to think about all that. So this, all these components, and then you think about what type of foundation. So all these components come under geotechnical engineering. And with all this, the most exciting factor is when you think about water, you know, mm -hmm. you have the groundwater and you have the aquifer and you have the rainy seasons and you have the summer seasons. And how does the fluctuation of water underground affect the foundation that you're designing and also the weight of the building? So there is a lot of thinking that has to go through for you to think about designing foundations with respect to soils, um, you know, with respect to water and everything else around it. Yeah, I never like thought of that when I thought of civil engineering. I mainly thought of just like buildings, like design. I, I mainly thought like architects were technically civil engineers. I never really thought about like where like all the foundational aspects and this is very like complex and interesting yeah yeah architects only design everything inside the building <laughs> yeah yeah it's very well it's very like i feel like civil engineering is a very like big job that many like for at least for like in high school we're always like if anyone's going into engineering, into engineering we're thinking of like entrepreneurship or like software and electrical and that's like the main the only like subject of engineering we're really introduced to in school and then like civil engineering is this entirely different like new world that like many many of us aren't like even introduced to I know like I think a couple of my friends are like oh I want to go into architecture maybe civil engineering but like a lot of them are like computer science like coding so it's really like I never really thought about civil engineering as like such a big project it's, it's very interesting I'd say yeah yeah <laughs> so um speaking of that if since it is a really big like project how do you like work in in um uh, in your team like what is a typical day like with your team and like planning uh building or like the um mainly just a typical day so if you're looking at so even when you're thinking about the typical day it depends on what your um contribution to that team is mm -hmm. so a team can involve as i said like as early as you're writing a proposal, right? You're sitting in the office and you're writing a proposal to get the project. And once you get the project, you're going to be on site and you're actually designing how many borings do you want here? Borings, when I say, is like the getting the samples. There are different types of borings that you can um, you know, do. And, and also like the borings are mainly 
based on which region of the country you're in, which state you're in, and what are the uh, uh, you know state codes as per what type of boardings do you have to get? Is it a government project? Is it a private project? Everything comes into picture. And then when you are in the site, you are actually working as a, a you know, geotechnical engineer, getting information of the soils, working with the drillers, and bringing in the samples to the laboratory. And then when you bring the samples to the laboratory, you have a testing crew. So the testing crew actually does a number of tests to, again, figure out what type of soils they are and what is the soil strength. You know, um, how does it react with soil, uh, water um, and uh, how, is, how is it going to react with uh, loads? And then after you get all the soil and the rock, so you do rock course also, rock course are amazing. Next time you're, you know, you're, in, you're coming to visit me, I'm going to show you some rock course. <laughs> you can see how the rock course uh, look like. And in California, if you think about like, there are a lot of areas in California, um, closer to Mexico, Southern California, you can see um, very shallow rock, like two and a half feet, three feet down the ground, you have the rock. So there you have a different type of uh, foundations. So from there, once that is done, an engineer starts designing the foundation. Uh, once the foundation is completed, it's given to the contractor. So the contractor plans how the construction has to happen based on the type of foundation and based on the engineer's recommendation of the site management. So the contractor will also have, depending on the type of foundation, it can be a small uh, construction equipment or it can be a huge construction equipment, depending on the type of foundation. Again, you're looking at a type of methodology and technique you're using. Um, so in the field, during construction, you have a site superintendent, you have a foreman, and you have uh, operators for the equipment and you have a um, site engineer who is overseeing all the uh, work going in together. So this is how the construction and then you have the, uh, uh, the client representative who is looking at the productivity. So there is a lot of aspects when you're thinking about a team. Um, this, this was something I was part of in every step of what I was talking about. I have been involved in over the period of last 18 years. But mostly now, my role is uh, as a business strategist in a team of estimators, in a team of engineers, and in a team of business development people coming up with what is the market trend. There are so many markets where there is funding that is going on right now, right? Like uh, government funding, and then there is federal funding that goes into um, infrastructure projects. There is a big push for um, expanding ports and marines uh, facilities in the country, expanding the channel because we are bringing in bigger and bigger boats, which are bringing in exports and imports. So you have to think about it. And Panama Canal, like right? When you think about Panama Canal, uh, if you ever get a chance to go up there, you should go up there and then see the marvel of the Panama Canal after it has been expanded, and you will see how big the boats are that has to come mm -hmm. through the channel. Um, so it's outstanding. So uh, basically looking at different markets. What is the market trend? Where is the money coming from? Where is the money going to be put in? Um, what is based on what our company does, the services and the resources, where should we be expecting our time and efforts going into winning the projects and then doing the projects. So 
Um, there are different aspects of themes that you can think about. So these all, uh, you know, are amazing experiences, I should say. <laughs> That's very like interesting. There's a lot of like moving components and like different pieces and people working together. So it's very like cool on the different aspects. And, um, and understanding of each other's aspects and see how they all come together being on yeah. from start to finish will teach you so much. Yeah, it seems like a very like interesting job you have. Um, so you you have worked around like internationally, right? Yeah, you said in your bio you worked in like Brazil, Mexico, India, Colombia. Could you like describe like what a like a what would an international like project like look like? Like working from people from around the world and everything. Sure. Um, so I'll give you uh, um, one example first. Like you know. Um, couple of years ago, like we decided, or three years ago, we decided like the previous company I was working for, uh, we were going to start a project in Brazil. Um, four or five, four years ago, I think there was a dam failure in Brazil, which were, which is called as Bermudino Dam. So when the dam failure happened, the dam I'm talking about is there is, Brazil is known for mining. There are many, it is a mining capital, you can say, and there are many big mining companies in Brazil, which are mining for all kinds of ores and minerals. Um, and uh, they build tailings dam. The tailings dam will actually have the byproducts after the um, mining operation. So these dams and the tailings are very, very, uh, you know, I wouldn't say very polluted, but at least like it has this scientific composition, which you have to be very careful to see how it does not um, destroy the human factor around it and also destroy the environmental factors around it. So when Bermudino Dam failed, the tailings, everything that was in the dam completely flooded the village, which was at the toe of the dam. And the whole village, about 420 people or 428 people died. So, um, and because of that, government of Brazil came back and imposed really strict, stringent rules on all the dam companies or mining companies saying that they have to reevaluate all their dams. Um, and when that happened, the dams were also rated based on the high risk to low risk. All the dams that were high risk had to be decommissioned and the ones that were in the medium risk had to be looked at and the barrier wall had to be built right around the toe of the dam. Um, this was a project in a small city called Itabera City, and the tailings dam, at the toe of the tailings dam, there is a reservoir. The reservoir actually has the water that is for all the city of Itabera. And if something happens and there is a break in the dam, the tailings come down here to the, res uh, to the reservoir, and there is no completely cut off water service to the city. So so to safeguard that, we were um, invited to look at the tailings uh, dam and also the slopes and the city and design a barrier wall along the toe of the uh, dam to safeguard this uh, reservoir. And at the same time, in the event of the break of the dam, 100% containing uh, the tailings and no uh, seepage had to happen from the uh, barrier walls to the city. So this was one of the, you know, um, life-changing and human factor project for me. Um, this, so we were in United States, right? We were working with Brazil. 
And I, the company I was working for is a Japanese company. And so engineering team was in Japan. Um, and we also had um, another arm of the engineering from Australia. So um, understanding using United States codes, building codes, understanding the codes of Japan and working with an engineering company in Brazil, you know, um, comparing the codes because we were bringing in a concept which was for tsunami walls in um, Japan. And the tsunami walls, uh, the when you're thinking about the factor of safety and the design itself is very, very stringent, very, very, I wouldn't say, um, over conservative, but at least there is a big factor that you have to think about when you're designing those walls, because there is a human factor you have to think about, right? Like if something goes wrong, you're actually putting all the lights around that area uh, in, in distress. So that understanding of and working different culture and different engineering was outstanding, I would say. It was incredible. And the engineers from Japan and engineers from Brazil were, oh my God, they were geniuses, <laughs> I would say. Um, and they were also so passionate about this project. Um, and the, the main factor for us was language. <laughs> not everyone spoke English, you know, not everyone spoke English. Um, and uh, um, we used to, uh, for all the meetings, we used to have uh, translators. So we had translator from uh, Portuguese to English. We had translators from Portuguese to Japanese. Um, so the meetings were like forever. It never used to end. But understanding of different engineering values, different engineering codes and the construction and, and the culture of construction and the environment, uh, I would say that was priceless. So that is one example of, um, you know, international project. You can see like how different countries come together when something happens, natural disasters and building something like this um, can change, you know, engineering uh, innovations and engineering, future engineering aspects also. Well, that just answers my next question, which is what was one more, one of your most memorable projects that I would say <laughs> this one would be. Um, do you have any other memorable ones where it's like very like different from what you had usually done or like, um, well, in general, like just like one memory that like stands out in civil engineering? For you? Yeah, yeah. I think I would say that um, there was a project that I worked. So I worked in oil and gas industry a few years ago. Oil and gas industry is a very cutthroat industry to say. Um, and again, oil and gas industry has very, very, very few women. <laughs> we don't really, because it's it's a very, um, very exhausting and very long hours. And uh, um, when you're thinking of oil and gas project sites, they're out in the you know, boonies. They're very in uh, rural areas. Um, and once you go there, you're there. You're not going to be there for two days and coming back. You're going to be there until the project is completed. So um, I was on the second biggest uh, crude oil pump station in the country. The first one is the Superior, um, which is in uh, Minnesota. And then the second one is the Eastern Access Program, which is in uh, Stockbridge, Michigan. So that project was very interesting. Um, that was one of the projects that is very dear to my heart because I was involved from the beginning of the project of proposal phase to the completion of the project of construction. 
Um, and uh, uh, the best part about that was like we had uh, two um, construction crews. Um, this is a little more low-key of the project that I was just talking about in Brazil. Mm-hmm. Um, we had about 110 uh, people in the field and uh, it was two different contractors. One contractors were all artwork contractors and one contractor um, was the steel uh, crude oil pump station above ground steel uh, manufacturers and installers. So um, I was the on-site engineer for the artwork operation completely and the foundations. Um, and for 110 people, I, I was the only female engineer. Oh. So, <laughs> so it was a big challenge. It was a big challenge. I, I remember the first uh, uh, first few weeks, I don't think anyone took me seriously. You know, I mean, <laughs> I look, uh, I'm, not, I'm tiny. I'm not really like, you know, I don't stand out. And I'm uh, also a person of different color. I am not uh, one of the white people. And uh, um, it was very interesting because they all thought I was so tiny. They thought I was an intern who was just coming there to learn things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after the uh, first or two weeks, I remember one of our clients coming out and saying in a safety meeting that, well, you look at the person who is sitting at the end of the uh, table, she's the boss of this site. <laughs> oh. So you have to listen to what she says because the people, all the people who were on site were all from, uh, um, you know, um, Oklahoma, from Kentucky, from uh, West Virginia, and they are all like, you know, very uh, unique set of people that you would get to know and you would get to work with. And once all that happened and once they realized like, you know, what I bring to the table um, and making their lives easier and making the project go smoother, I think the tables turned. Um, and the best part about that was this was uh, a little earlier in my career and every tank, so we were building about nine tanks and these uh, oil tanks were 265 feet in uh, um, height and 65 or 70 feet in diameter. So they were huge tanks um, and uh, every tank had challenging soils, problematic soils. So every tank had a different type of foundation. So uh, being a young engineer or a mid-level engineer, you know, I got to see different types of foundations designed and constructed and different techniques on one project site. And, and by the time I came back out of the project, like it was two and a half, three years, I think. And then I felt like I had learned what I would have learned being in the office for five years or eight years. <laughs> so that's that's one of my um, very, very, you know, top of the, uh, you know, list projects I always cherish. Yeah, that's, that sounds very, like, it sounds very intimidating, I would say. Like, for me, it's like, I'm scared of my engineering class where it's like three girls. Well, actually, my freshman year engineering class was four girls and I believe 28 boys. And it's gotten better since then, but it's still very, like, under 10 um, what, in, what intimidates you more I, I don't know I feel like it's mainly being like looked down upon because that's happened often but like I, I I think I'm at a point where it's like I don't really care like who's like in my class I just enjoy being in like engineering it's like my favorite subject and it's very it's very yeah. fun I would say for me so yeah. and I, I think you know there is no reason to be intimidated I think uh, because uh, the moment moment you feel intimidated, you need to find an ally. You know, it can be an ally in your class, ally someone someone else, or maybe a teacher. You know, I think that person will steer you in the right direction. And having that one person understand, you know, and show you the way changes everything. But there's, if you're confident enough, I think you don't have to be intimidated at all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's like what you so said. 
<laughs> yeah, that's what I've learned mainly from like, well, three years of like engineering classes in school. Um, so I was like wondering, what do you think are like a couple characteristics characteristics that are like important for a civil engineer? Um, that's a very good question, I think, you know, very good question. Um, so the question actually has different kinds of answers based on in what level of career you're in. Uh, but I would say like, you know, and, and these are all the characteristics that you will over a period of time from the time you begin and as the time goes and you start growing in your career and in your, um, you know, um, aspirations and and your outlook of what you're expecting from your uh, doings, it changes over a period of time. But for a civil engineer, I would say um, honesty is number one. Honesty, honesty and trust goes together. Those are the characteristics that stands out for any engineer. I wouldn't even say civil engineer for any engineer to stand out. Um, when you are talking to a client or when you're talking to uh, internally to any of your superiors or your you know, subordinates, whoever it is, I think when you explain the problem honestly and then bring it to that person in advance, I think that changes the whole perspective of who you are and what you are. Um, and building that level of trust is very important when you're an engineer because if you, you are providing a solution that is a solution that cannot go wrong, right? Um, so you're building for if you're building a building and you're providing a solution to it, and you better build the building as strong as you can and as honest as you can, because if it falls, then you are liable to so many lives, uh, right? People losing the lives. So I would say honesty and uh, trust are the main characteristics, and um, I would also say. Um, ethics, you know, having ethical understanding of what you do is very important. I would say that is very important and that would take you a long, long way. That's right. It's very different from what, uh, what I've heard from like other people when I ask them. They mainly say like, oh, like confidence or like, like some ability. But like, I guess like civil engineering is like very like people involved. So you have to be very, very and confident. Yeah, and I think confidence is something that, you know, you grow, as you grow, you grow confidence in you. So mm -hmm. having confidence is a very big characteristic, but that is not something that you can, um, I mean, you can uh, probably, uh, you can be born with, I think, but it is something that mm -hmm. grows within you as you grow as a person over the period of your career. Yeah, um, so another question I had was like, as, as someone like entering um entering like the field like say per se like after like college could what were your like uh, job opportunities like um after you had like finished college and then we're going to start entering like the engineering like fields yeah oh yeah definitely so civil engineering uh, has a very broad and diverse array of opportunities um as i was talking about number one civil engineering has different disciplines and each discipline has diverse opportunities that you can think about and you can uh, you know, pursue and pa be passionate about. Um, and uh, if you think about like you, you can start as a field engineer, you can start as an office engineer um, or design engineer, field engineer, field engineering in any aspect of civil engineering is very important to learn hands-on training I was talking about. And then you have the laboratory 
So if you like research, if you like playing with, uh, you know, playing with your hands, then that can be something that you can definitely think about. And you were talking about uh, software engineers. Software engineers can also work in <laughs> civil engineering because there is so many, um, uh, there is a huge development towards the softwares that we use. The, the calculations that I remember doing hand calculations a long time ago, no one does it hand calculations. <laughs> <laughs> so um, there are plenty of softwares that you can use for even as small as small foundations to big foundations to a um, you know support of excavation. If you think about New York City, you know you have uh, buildings before building putting in the foundations. You have to cut into the ground before you put in the foundations. You cannot make them just cut into the ground, but the the ground the cut in the ground has to stand right. So that is support of excavation. And so those kind of softwares really requires. Um, software engineers who are who are very passionate about uh, uh, coding and you know um, problem troubleshooting and problem solving and everything like that who come into that picture and you can be in business development that I was talking about you know if you're a people's person and if you really like going out there making connections and uh, looking at the variety of projects that are out there and then helping bring those projects to your company business development is another thing and then you have sales. Um, so there are different opportunities that can be thought about. And at the same time, teacher, you can be a teacher, civil, you know, teach civil engineering courses in universities. There are amazing professors uh, who I have come across and the passion that they have to advance the industry for civil engineering industry to be successful and to be on top of the uh, world. I think the engineers, contractors, and the professors academia and also the manufacturers they all have to come together and you can also think about manufacturing that is a very good coveted uh, discipline of civil engineering when i'm talking about manufacturing manufacturing can be manufacturing of the equipment manufacturing of the products um, and manufacturing of any accessories that go with the foundations so there is entire array of opportunities as you're thinking about it just makes a mark for you to look at one, you can try a handful of them and see what you like the most. That's very like, very nice that there's so many different opportunities for anyone going into the field. Um, so mainly, uh, my next question was like, how big of a role did like education play in your like journey as a civil engineer? Do you think it was like very like important of what like college you graduated from or like does it really like matter or, or stuff like that? Because I know for me at least, um, me and like my grade and like my peers are very like big on like, oh, we have to go to top 50 colleges in the States for um, otherwise we're not going to be successful and like stuff like that. So do you really think that's true or like what are your opinions on that? Well, that is a very difficult question. <laughs> very difficult question and very weighted question, I would say. Um, well, um, I think the college education does matter. College education does matter. Um, and at the same time, I was talking about so many array of opportunities, right? Each array of opportunities requires you to have some kind of education. Some of them not necessarily, for example, if I was talking about being a field technician, field engineer or a field technician, for field technician, you really don't need uh, you know, a four-year degree. 
you don't really have to go to bachelor's, but there is a technology course that you can actually do. And then you can actually get into being a field technician, if you like being in the field, being outside and, you know, playing with, uh, you know, with your hands and playing with everything else that goes for the foundation, then that is something that you can think about. Um, education actually can give you perspective. Um, I am not a big uh, supporter of, yes, you have to go to Ivy League schools. Going to Ivy League schools can give you the edge at the same time, the skills that you build being in any school and the connections that you build being in any school also can give you the edge. Mm -hmm. If you are very smart and you want to go to Ivy school, yes then definitely you should think about it. But if there are opportunities that you can follow also, not going to Ivy school, you can get there even ahead of a lot of others with the uh, you know competency you have and with the preservance you have, I think you can definitely do it. That's, uh, yeah, this is, this is something that I always debate, debate with a lot of people. <laughs> yeah um yeah and and i can my example is i did not go to ivy league schools right mm -hmm. i did not i'm not saying that um you know that really brought me down but that i think even not going to ivy league schools you can actually find the passion in what you want to do and what you like to do and then you can definitely pursue your passion yeah it's very it's a good like insight i would say it's like for us it's mainly um, a lot of people think that like just going to like top school will give them like the best opportunity. Um, yeah, so it's a very like topic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if you go to top schools, you have to give your one hundred percent. And if you go to if you don't go to top school, still you have to give one hundred percent, right? Mm -hmm. So if you are giving one hundred percent wherever you are, you will be definitely successful. Yeah. So I see that you have your own podcast. Could you tell us a little bit about what it is? Yeah, definitely. So during COVID, you know, I had an idea of starting a podcast. I kept thinking about like, uh, I just like to talk to people. I just like to learn, like, you know, how did they become a civil engineer? How did they become a geotechnical engineer, environmental engineer? How did they get to where they are? Um, you know, uh, talking about real uh, social issues of being an engineer, being a woman in the engineering field and things like that. So um, I'm also part of a, a technical association called the Foundation Institute. So when I was thinking of starting a podcast, um, I was not 100% sure of starting it on my own or starting just like what you're doing. Like, you know, <laughs> I did not have that much faith in myself, I would say, for podcasts. So I reached out to the Foundation Institute and then I had another um you know um colleague in the in the industry uh, who was very much interested as well um so we ended up starting a podcast together um, um it's called as broadcasting common ground uh so we are talking about common ground which is just the ground deep foundations which is everything underneath the ground so the first so we are on third series now the first series was about interview with the survivor everyone loves to talk about a project that was successful but everyone uh you know who goes through the failure of a project very few of them will talk about why the project failed and what did the lessons they learned from the project so we want to bring that aspect of uh podcast um so we had seven um 
big uh, names in the industry and the leaders in the industry who have been who have been civil engineers, geotechnical engineers for so long, talk about a project that failed um, and that became a lawsuit. And uh, how did they get out of that lawsuit? Did they win? Did they lose? Were they a survivor? Um, so we spoke about that. And the second series was basically called Rumble where Rumble is like, you know, we brought in two people together uh, who are very good friends in the industry who one can be an owner, one can be a contractor, or one can be a contractor, one can be a government agency uh, engineer. They both came together and talk about that. We would give them one topic, which they don't, one agrees, one does not agree, and they <laughs> would debate on that topic. Um, so the third one, the third series we have brought in um, is called um, interview with a trailblazer. So this is specifically for women in engineering. So we are bringing in different, uh, uh, you know, um, as you were talking about what opportunities do you have, you're bringing in women in different opportunities and different levels uh, who have been trailblazers for the younger generation who are coming in. Um, so that's another thing that we have been doing, and we just finished recording our first uh, um, episode. The first episode was on, are we closing the pay gap? You know, there is a big question of, are men and women being paid the same? Are we getting closer to what men are being paid? We don't know. We are trying to figure that out. So we, are, we were interviewing one of the uh, uh, Trailblazer companies. Um, it's a company that has um, put in action few aspects within their company to make sure that the pay scale gap is going to be closed over a period of time. So those are the uh, podcasts that we have been working on. That's really interesting. Yeah, like mine are mainly just like interviewing people because it's more informational. But I really like the your second series of like the debate. It's very like very yeah, cool. Yeah. Like I listen to a lot of podcasts and like a lot of them are just like people talking about their lives. And but like the debate one, I've never heard of. <laughs> I might try that actually. <laughs> yeah, future. definitely, definitely. Yeah, it sounds really interesting. Um, so now it's like I'm pretty much almost done with all my questions. I just wanted to ask a little bit on like what advice do you have for like um high schoolers or like uh college students who are like going uh pursuing a uh, career in this uh civil engineering field? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, what I would say is like think about what is your favorite thing to do. You know, I would say, think about what is your favorite thing to do? What kind of person are you? You know, um, civil engineering, as we were talking about the whole podcast, it pro uh, provides wide variety of um, opportunities. Uh, if you are interested, what you should do is find a civil engineer to talk to. Find a civil engineer to talk to who is in your community. Um, and I can suggest handful of engineers if there is anyone interested in uh, talking to someone and find out how you can get there. The number one, I think, you know, being visible, I think your generation is doing that very well. I think our generation had difficulty in getting to that place, but I think being visible and being on, um, you know, there are so many different things that you can get on internet now and then read about, you know, the bridges and read about what civil engineers do and getting information about, is this something that you're interested in? You would be interested in, do you want to try? So that's what I would say. And then there are, Choosing the universities, again, this, choosing the universities, we spoke about civil engineering universities, there are plenty of universities. And one, one thing what I would suggest is like, you know, every, as 
we are civil engineers are moving forward, we have seen for the future growth of the country or future growth of global, uh, you know, civil engineers, there is a, a big, big slump. So we, are, we don't have that many engineers who will be graduating in five years who are going to be in the uh, workforce. So if, if you are looking at like majority of the civil engineers in around the country, they're actually doing so many different events to showcase what this profession can bring you. So attending those events would definitely open your eyes. Um, and having a mentor, I would say having a mentor is the most important thing. That is something that I understood later in my life. Uh, but I, your, your generation is doing a wonderful job, but having a mentor who can steer you in the right direction is very important. And again, not having one mentor, having many mentors um, of different backgrounds, different cultures and different ethnicities will give you perspectives in a different broader variety, right? That I think will be very important. And at the same time, once you realize what your passion is, following your passion, um, asking for help. I think those are the things that if you can think about what you want to do, um, definitely you should enter civil engineering. Um, and there are a handful of associations. So once you enter any profession, get involved in the community, get involved in the associations. That will give you a lot. Um, they, every association, depending on which profession you're in, has student or has uh, young engineers forums. So being part of that, interacting with your peers and higher level um, engineers will help you sculpt your path smoother than you may think. Yeah, that's that's very helpful advice, I'd say. Thank you so much for that. Um, so my last top oh question is that while we're on the topic of advice, what advice would you give your like younger self who's like just like budding into the field? Well, number one, I would say is like you know mentor. Mentorship <laughs> is mentorship plays a very big role. Mentorship plays a very big role, and being visible plays a very big role. I would say, uh, mentorship where it doesn't matter what age you're in or what level of uh, career or profession you're in, find mentors, you know, importance of mentorship, different as I was talking about different types of mentor, a cheerleader for you and uh, advocate in the workplace for you and a career, uh, you know, mentor for you, finding that would be the best thing that you can do for yourself when you're young. That's what I would say. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for your great insight today. Um, that's mainly like all the questions I have. If you want to add anything, go ahead. But I think that's it. Yeah, yeah. So I think, uh, Isha, like you're doing an amazing job. You know, <laughs> when you are 16 and you're thinking about having a podcast to get the variety of like, you know, all the different professions, understanding what people are doing and understanding where you want to go is, I think, uh, it's commendable, highly commendable. Uh, that is amazing. And I did listen to your first two podcasts and uh, you are a people person and <laughs> you have an amazing talent. No one can tell you that, well, this is the first time I'm doing this. I don't think anyone will believe that. So congratulations. And uh, uh, I'm really happy to be part of this. Well, thank you so much. 
And that concludes episode four of From Scratch, hosted by me, Isha Shanoi. Thanks everyone for listening and learning about civil engineering with me, and I hope you keep learning on future episodes. Thanks, and see you later.